Oh man, uh, so good to see you guys today. My name's Kurt, and uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet, great to meet you. And uh, let's make some noise for those tuning online this weekend. Man, excited to have you join us from wherever you tune in from in the online spaces. Those of you in the room, man, so excited. Let's make some noise for those of you coming out on a cold, cold uh, day. Man, we've had some winter this week. Well, hey, we are excited uh, that you're here. We're wrapping up this series, White Space. We're in week four, and we've been talking about something we all need. We've been talking about this sense of like, just these like moments where we have a bit of space in our lives for the things that actually matter the most. And so um, we're gonna dive into this. Now, uh, just real quick, next week we begin a brand new series, uh, which is kind of gonna you know, be a, a, a catapult from this one to the next. It's called Choosing Joy. And we're gonna take a look at why, why is it we long to be happy? Because um, we all wanna be happy, right? You guys wanna be happy? You guys want to like experience things, have a happy spirit? Um, and why is it that happiness is, is easier to find and so hard to keep? You know, we chase things, we chase goals and pursue, you know, all kinds of opportunities and, you know, we're always looking for experiences that bring happiness and at the end of the day, perhaps what we're looking for is something deeper, it's something called joy. So we're going to talk about what, it, what joy is and how we get it, um, it's attainable, you can experience it and uh, so it's a great opportunity to invite somebody, at the beginning of a series is always a good time to invite, some, invite somebody to come sit with you, so that all kicks off next weekend. Now, we've been talking about how to create white space in our schedule, uh, how to create white space in our finances, and then today we're gonna talk about creating white space in our relationships because you know we, we do so much uh, to get the most out of life that we just cram in and cram in and cram in, and eventually, if we're not careful, um, this right here happens. I mean, it just all comes crashing down and we don't even know what happened oftentimes. And so, you know, kind of the big idea that I want us to go after this weekend is this right here. Relationships thrive. Think about this. Relationships thrive when there's white space and relationships die when we're constantly living at our limits. And one of the crazy things is, is you know, perhaps the younger you are, um, you have more bandwidth and, and, and you can navigate this better. The older we get, at least I have found it's more difficult to navigate this. There's more demands, more responsibility. Uh, perhaps just over the years we, we grow. And, and honestly, just when you get older, it kind of sucks sometimes, right? Um, and so I don't know if you saw this. There's a great little scene this week, um, you know, from uh, Jimmy Fallon. I'm a huge Jimmy Fallon fan with uh, one of my favorite comedians, Nate Bargatze. And we like to show him. And this, you know, this just was like such a fun moment on kind of the, the, the unfortunate side of getting older. If you didn't see it, take a look at this. I'm 43. 43, you still think you're young. You know, like I'll hang out like a 23-year-old and I'm like, you get it, dude. We're just a couple young dudes kicking it. <laughs> and some guy will be like, I'm 45. I'm like, beat it, old man. <laughs> I can't believe that guy <laughs> had the nerve to hang out. You know, let's, yeah. go, let's go sit down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I did add, I went and got a physical recently, and after your 40s, I'll tell you, uh, before 40, you go through like a drive-through window. It's like, they're, you, they're just like, you move your neck, and they're like, come on, man, you're wasting everybody's time, all right? <laughs> go live a life. And then you pass 40, and the doctor's like, you mind shutting that door behind you? <laughs> you know? He's like, I'd lock it, we're about to get after it. <laughs> And it was, the first, it was the first time I've ever been talked to old. And so it was just me and him. And he goes, do you pee a lot at night? <laughs> and I was like, did my dad just walk in the room? Like, how old? You know, I've never peed at night in my life. I was like, how about that? I don't pee till the sun goes down. <laughs> but I did. I was like, but, you know, just so I know, what is a lot? 
what is a big amount? <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what, he's ruined me. I only pee at night now. It's, I would love to pee during the day. I, my body's like, enjoy the day. We'll get it out tonight. Don't worry about it. Have fun. <laughs> Come on, is that not funny? My, you guys enjoy that? Yeah, you can clap at that. Man, I tell you what, um, you know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, when we're younger, we think we're limitless, right? We, we think that we can do anything and, and, and you just get, you know, start getting older and you begin to feel it and you begin to realize I do have limits. And, and honestly, um, especially when it comes to relationships, which we're going to talk about today, um, we, we have to be very, very intentional. And so um, I want to tell you a bit this weekend about my personal white space story. And um, this is an ongoing story when it comes to relationships. And um, I, you know, I'm not always real quick to like let things stick. And, and I know things and I can do them and live them and even teach them. But then the next thing you know, I have a brain fart. It's just like, oh my gosh, where'd that go? I, I was doing so well and I just totally deviated from this whole concept. And, and I, you know, I've probably been closer to a whole collapse like we just saw a moment ago um, than I would care to think about. And so, um, and, and you were a part of it, honestly. Um, Crosspoint was a part of it. So um, 16 years ago this month, um, we started Crosspoint. And at that point in Julie and my life, my wife's life, um, we had two kids under the age of five and we had a third one on the way. And she was born a month before our first preview service. And I tell you what, that was just a crazy, crazy time. And I don't know if you've ever launched an organization or been a part of starting something from the ground up. It's extraordinarily time consuming. And so if you would have looked at our organizational chart at that point, like just because of where we were, an amazing launch team that was helping us kind of lift this thing off the ground, but the whole chart like pointed to me. I mean, we had people that were, you know, taking on roles, but it was like I was pouring, you know, vision and culture into each team and meeting with every team leader. I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy season. And, you know, there are times where I was going to five or six small groups a a week, just trying to connect with people and meet people, invite them into what we're doing. And you could only do that for so long. Um, you can only like ride at that limit for so long. And you know, I've, I found myself getting up really early in the morning going, oh my gosh, I gotta get up early because I can get work done before everybody gets up. And then I was burning the midnight oil on the back end as well till one, sometimes two in the morning. And this just led over the course of you know, the first four or five years to some really kind of critical and strategic decisions that Julie and I had to make because something was getting cheated. And, and we had to decide, okay, what's gonna get cheated? And my wife, um, who I love dearly and cherish. I mean, she was working part-time as an educator at the time in the classroom. And um, and then, you know, not too long after we had launched Crosspoint, she, as a volunteer, took over our our kids' uh, environments and kind of became the director of those and had a staff role. And, you know, people are like, you guys are crazy. I don't know how you can do this. And you got all these young kids. And we just kind of blew it off. Like, this is what we do. Um, We're all in people. And and, and that's just kind of the way we live our lives. And it was fun. It was exhilarating. Uh, We ran off adrenaline many times. Um, It was also very, very tiring, but we were young and we had a passion. We had a passion to help create a unique place and a place where, you know, people who just weren't weren't willing to walk into churches might walk in and go, gosh, this place is a bit different. And what if church could be different? And, and, you know, we would always say we're saying things and talking about things that aren't necessarily being talked about in other churches. And we're we're doing things that you wouldn't ever expect happen in a church. And, you know, building something that has yet to be seen because at that point we didn't have a building. We were meeting across the street at Fall Creek Intermediate School. And uh, even now that we have a building, I mean, we still, you know, there's still things we're building that have yet fully to be seen. And, and really, we believe that God actually could do something through this 
group of imperfect people who had big hearts and entrepreneurial spirit and were willing to you know, get our hands dirty and get involved and, and lift something up that, that God could use us and, and people as a result would see who Jesus is and, and might say, hey, I wanna, I wanna explore what it means to, to, to know him and follow him. And, you know, I kind of grew up in the generation that was with, like, Apple and Macintosh and, you know, all that kind of stuff coming out, where it's just like the world was endless and there are all kinds of possibilities, and if you put your mind to it, you can do it. In fact, there was a commercial we used all the time that I still get goosebumps, you know, with when I, when I see it, and I want to show it to you real quick. Take a look at this. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them, because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. cool is that? Is that not like get your energies going? I'm like, I tell you what, if you don't, if you don't get motivated by that, you're probably in the wrong place. Let me just be really clear. Um, if you're looking for status quo and like, you're not going to find that here. I mean, I would see this. And I'm like, why can't we do that in church? And, and just kind of, again, little, little, um, date to put on your calendar. I want you to, to put February 23rd and 26th in your calendar. One month from right now, we're going to begin a series. Where we're talking about, okay, what does that look like for us to carry that into the next season? We're going to be doing five weeks on vision and Crosspoint and what that means for our community, what it means for us, how we can be a part of it, you know, and use our lives to help kind of fuel it, whether it's with our time, with our energies, with our finances. And so I just hope if you're kind of like, okay, you know, what, what does that mean for us now? I hope you'll put that on your, on your uh, calendar, February 23rd and 26th in the following four weeks as we just kind of renew and say, okay, we're going to renew our commitment. To what does it look like to create this in our community? And, you know, one of the things early on when we were doing this, we discovered is, you know, there just wasn't enough time. Um, I remember thinking, I love my work, I love my family, I love my wife. Um, I remember thinking, if, if I get everything done at work, I'm never going to be home. If I fill up all the love tanks and make sure everybody's kind of got their needs met at home, I'm never going to really be able to get to work. And it, to make it worse, I mean, in my case, I wasn't just like going to work. I was like building the church. I was like, you know, this is like God's thing, right? So like this is something I felt called to and passionate for and if, you know, if you've met my wife, for those of you who know my wife, Julie, um, you know, she is a very, very capable person. I mean, when we do leadership assessments, which we've done over the years, um, she outpaces me sometimes on some of the scales in terms of, you know, leadership and her emotional awareness of what leaders need in developing systems and getting people around those and actually creating traction to, to get results. And um, she says so much capacity and yet numerous times over the last 16 years, um, because we're just constantly pushing and driving, we hit these difficult spots on the pavement and and things kind of spin a bit in our lives and you know it's partly my role as a leader and her role as a leader and full-time now educator in our public schools and you know how do you pour into things and make things move and you know just all the shaping and things that need to be done as we're kind of you know raising four kids along the way 
And there kind of becomes this growing tension that you just feel. And, you know, being in ministry now for over 25 years and growing up in a home, a ministry home, you kind of know where that goes. And you know the end of that story. And you know that when you hit those moments, man, if you don't do something drastic, um, you know, that your story is, again, going to kind of look like this. It just takes one little bump, and all of a sudden, everything just comes crashing. And I've seen it in the lives of men and women, you know, in the business front. I've seen it in the lives of men and women, you know, on the ministry front. I mean, pastors, their families. Um, in the pastor's world, it's easy to go, oh, I'm doing God's will, you know. And, and, and typically, kind of my kind of go-to in that moment, you know, my prayer would often become something like this. Um, God, will you, will you take care of things at home <laughs> while I do your work and build the church? I mean, what we're doing is really, really important, and it, it's impactful, and it's so spiritual, right? And, like, wouldn't God answer that, that prayer right there? I mean, because he wants that to happen too and 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 so you know just take care of my family while I'm off you know doing important things and you know I've met enough pastors and preachers and preachers kids over the years and I was one and um, to, to know that a lot of times there's a lot of damage there's a lot of mess on the other side of that attitude there's a lot of mess on the other side of that mentality and you know you got kids just walking away you know from the church because of what it did in their family and to their family and, and you feel that tension, and you just find you're walking on eggshells at times, and, and you know, things aren't quite right, and yet you don't know what to do. And you see the progress and the impact it makes, so you're like, well, we gotta keep doing it, because I mean, it, you know, obviously it's, it's making a difference. And, and so about five years in, six years in, to Crosspoint's early days, I mean, Julie and I, we were at the point of collapse. And you know, in those moments, you have a decision to make. You have to say, okay, am I going to keep doing this? Am I going to keep pushing, you know, at the level? Uh, or am I going to adjust? Am I going to make changes? Am I going to, you know, make shifts in the organization, you know, with my hours and priorities? And, and, and you know, somebody's going to get cheated. Like, where is that going to happen? And because, you know, if you don't, like, you're going to implode. Again, kind of like this right here. You, I know you guys are tired of seeing that. I don't want you to get that out of your mind. I want you to just have this idea of, like, man, relationally, when I'm always pushing the limits, this is what happens. And, and Julie and I are pretty good at making adjustments. Adjustments. It's just that we like to maximize things, so we quickly fall back into, okay, what else can we do? And, you know, where, where's things needed? And, and, and so these things don't stay static, and so you constantly got to pay attention to it. And I think the older you get, um, again, as responsibility increases, the harder it gets. And so, you know, fast forward, you know, six, seven years um, from that point, I mean, um, you know, Crosspoint's tra- you know, tracking really well, got a lot of momentum, systems, you know, staffing around some of the things, the places we're going, and then all of a sudden a pandemic hits, right? And you don't expect a pandemic. I don't think anybody prepared for or expected a pandemic. And, you know, there was parts of the pandemic season, if I can be honest, I enjoyed, uh, probably like you, I enjoyed the slower pace. I enjoyed, you know, I I love going to Colts games and not having people sit next to me. I love that. I don't don't know if anybody else loved that, but I enjoyed those things. There's a lot of things I didn't enjoy, you know, the sickness, the death, the, 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 just the ways it took so many things from our life and dreams and and initiatives, whether it's in our families or, you know, organizations that we were working on that just kind of came to a halt and in many cases, you know, didn't go forward. But if you're a leader of an organization um, or a team or a group or, you know, you know during the pandemic season people were looking to you and, you know, decisions you made, you know, affected not just you and your family but people that were under you and working for you and volunteering and they ultimately affected our community and it just felt like, you know, honestly, I mean, the last couple of years, I mean, <laughs> I don't think I have to tell you, it's been challenging for all of us. And, and leading under normal conditions is hard. I mean, that's very, very complicated, but this was just like a whole different level. In fact, um, Tim Elmore, one of my favorite kind of thinkers and 
you know, he does a lot on the next generation. He wrote a book, The Pandemic Population. He gives a picture. He says, it was kind of like this. He said, you know, um, it's a difference between complicated and complex. He said, you know, complicated is when you have somebody up at a chalkboard, you know, like doing a math problem. And, and it's a complex problem, takes multiple steps to complete and, you know, takes some time. And, and at some point during completing that, pro- that, that problem, if you decide to take a break, say, hey, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just go have lunch, I'm gonna maybe take a nap, come back after my nap, I'll come back and finish the problem. Um, you can do that and when you come back, everything's exactly the same when you come back to it. I mean, it's, you just pick up where you left off, that's complicated. Complex, on the other hand, he says, this is a little more like an like air traffic controller sitting with their, their screens in front of them you know, at a major airport, and you know, when, when you just say, well, I think I'm gonna take a break, go have lunch, you know, take a nap, and you, you do that, and then you come back, all of a sudden, not only has everything on that board changed in the short time you were away, but you, know, you just create a huge problem and backlog. And, and, and he said, this is kind of like what we've been through for the last three years. And if you're in a leadership position, you know, like I could, you could hardly step away and things were changing. And, and it taught me at least, I think it taught a lot of us, you know, you can't afford to take time off. You, when you're off, when you're down, you still gotta be on, you gotta be, be available. And so I think we probably all agree, it's been a, a difficult, complex season. And, and again, even though Julie and I had been in these places before, you know, coming through that, you get to the place where you feel like you're just back in the tension. You're like, gosh, I guess if I don't sleep, I can get all my work done. And, you know, and then the other thing that I, I, I want to give a mention to you is, you know, we didn't want our marriage to, we didn't want to just be in our marriage for the sake of being committed to marriage. You know, like when I married Julie, I didn't marry marriage. I didn't do it because I love marriage. I did it because I love her. And she, she married me because she loves me. And so we didn't want to get, you know, to the place where you're just like, well, we're committed to it. I mean, it sucks and don't even like each other, but man, we're here. And, and so, you know, because that's no fun, right? But you just realize you get stretched when you hit your limits relationally and, and you're just surviving. And so back to kind of our big idea for this weekend, relationships thrive when there's white space, but man, they begin to die when they're, we're constantly at our limits. So what's the solution? Like, what, what, where's the solution in this? Before I, I kind of give you kind of a, a suggestion to a solution right here, I, w- I want to talk about this tension for a moment. You know, whenever we hand our husband, our wife, our partner, our kids, um, our children, a responsibility that they're not equipped to carry, it, it's kind of like, like handing them a giant, you know, a giant rock, <laughs> You know, it's like, it's like saying, hey, um, here, honey, I know this is more you can handle, but I got a lot of work to do, and dad's got to travel a lot, and I'm going to be out of town a lot more than normal, but that's just kind of how it's going to be, and, 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 and I know this belongs to me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand this to you to carry for a bit. And, and honestly, let's be honest, I mean, we all know there's certain seasons we go through and times where you have to get, you know, put more time in, give more time, you know, just you know, expend to, to get to a certain place. That's normal. I, you might miss a ball game, um, you know, might miss a weekend or two of something. Um, it, but when those seasons come where your spouse, your kids, um, you know, they're, they're carrying things around and, and they wanna help, right? They see you struggling and the load, and so they take it, they willingly take it. I mean, your, your spouse might say, you know, if you're married, might say, yeah, I mean, I. I don't know that I can carry that real long, but I will because I, I want to help. And you're, you know, if you have kids, sometimes they're like, man, I see mom and dad working so hard, so whatever we can do, and yeah, I want to spend time with you, but sure, I'll take this for a while. And, and, and so the, the problem comes when we hand this load over to them and they take it and then we never come back and take it back, right? And, and time goes by 
And time goes by, and the tension begins to build. And, you know, before long, you, you know, there's problems, and you don't even know what to do. You can, you know, you're not even sure how you got there. I mean, you can look back and see it. It's easier to see it looking back. And, you know, how do you know if you've handed off a load, you know, that, to someone that is too much for them to bear? You end up probably saying things like, you know, okay, Dad's going to do better next time. I mean, I'm sorry. You say, you know, I promise, I promise, I promise. I'm, I'm going to be there. And then, you know, you, over, you prioritize over them again, and nothing changes. And you check in. You're like, oh, you know, how's the rock going? How's, how's it going, Karen? I know it's heavy. I know this isn't what you choose, but, like, you look good. You're doing, you know, you're holding it. You're, you're growing. You're strong. You, you got this. Another way we kind of know when we've handed something off is when we're just kind of, like, absent like chronically absent from big moments. You know, the recital, the game, the, you know, the, the, the big life moments. And then kind of a third way we know we've handed off is that we always kind of try to make up for the past by talking about the future. Well, you know, I know it wasn't this way last time, but I promise next time's gonna be better. I mean, you know, we, we kind of, we're like, kind of like Macklemore. We're like, you know, next year's gonna be better than this year. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're always looking forward. Or my favorite, man, if I can just get through this season, it's gonna be better in a few months. I mean, I say that over and over. I mean, and, 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 and nothing changes. And so we have these conversations. Because, see, we've handed somebody in our family like a burden, a, a heavy rock, and, and it's not intended for them to carry very long. But eventually, I mean, eventually, you know, mentally, they get tired and, Emotionally, they get tired, and physically, they get tired, and, you know, their willingness to carry the load just kind of results in exhaustion, and before long, I mean, it's like they just, like, you know, kind of, like, like, drop the rock, and when the, when the rock drops, it's like, you know, grades plummet, and relationships begin to, you know, lose their intimacy, and, you know, love begins to kind of deteriorate, and, it, like, nothing's enjoyable, and, if you've never seen this, I mean, in, you know, probably need to mention this as well. Sometimes, like that moment, I mean, there's like irreparable damage. It's like you get to the place where that could signify like the end of a relationship. And, and oftentimes, it's like Humpty Dumpty, you know, it's like, well, we're going to pick the pieces up and put them back together. But you know, honestly, they rarely go back like the same way. And sometimes it takes seasons, and sometimes it even takes years. Because, you know, you had so much to do and you left it with them just a little too long. And, and we know how this happens, right? I mean, it's because we love progress. And uh, let's be honest, when we go to work, we go to the marketplace, you can measure your progress, right? I mean, you go home and you can't always measure your progress. I mean, at work, you can check a box and say, hey, look, we did these you know, things. Here's everything we completed. You know, at home, I'm just like home, right? At home, I don't like get a trophy. I don't know if anybody else has got a trophy. I don't get a trophy for walking in. I mean, there's no bonuses. Woo, you made it. You get a bonus. So you're in bonus for being home, right? I mean, there's, no, there's nothing there. And, and let me just be clear. This is like the thumbprint of God on us right here. I mean, we love progress. We were created for that. It's just that when it gets out of control and we are at our limits, you know, whether it's our desire for progress or starting something or building something or starting something new or, you know, making more money or trying to resurrect and hold something up, which are all good things, by the way, but at the end of the day, I mean, when these things begin to compete, you know, with the fundamental primary things of life, you know, we begin to cheat the things that are most important for the sake of what's secondary. And all of a sudden we realize, man, that, there's problems right here. And so with all of that kind of as a backdrop, um, 
I want to, you know, Julie and I, we, we've been in these conversations. What does this mean? We've been going through, like you have, you know, these cards and say, okay, how do we adjust? What, what are the things we need to do? Our pace, the demands from our work. And, and I'm not going to take you into a lot of those conversations. Those are personal and private and, um, you know, kind of just for us. Um, but this card, I'm telling you, two weeks ago was really, really powerful. We looked at a card. If you were here, if not, you can go back and watch. And so what do I need to add? What do I need to remove completely? What do I need to reduce and increase in my life? And, and that was just a powerful moment. And one of the things I wrote down was I need to, you know, decrease the number of hours I work. I need to take, you know, 10, 15 hours a week out of my, my life. And to do that, I've got to remove certain things. And there's even certain things that I'm gonna have to think about in my job I can't do. And organization, we have to find a way to do those. And, you know, and, and while these are hard decisions to make, um, because the season we're in, there's so much to do. And you know, there's, there's not enough time. And I don't regulate well. I'm just like all in or off. I mean, I just don't do that well. But, but I also find it's sometimes some of the smartest decisions I can make as a pastor. See, part of what made this easy or easier is what we talk about every single week. We talk about this over and over and over here at Crosspoint, that you know, we really do believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe he, he died and went into a grave and then rose three days later and you know, really believe that the people that saw that and were there and saw his teachings and recorded them in the New Testament, you know, that the, the Jesus is who he said he was and when you do the things that he says, like it works, and, which means that when we hear something from Jesus, we go, yeah, we need, to, we need to do that. We need to take that seriously. When we hear things from Paul who was with the team of Jesus' team, you know, and he says, hey, here's what it means to live this way, you need to do that. When Peter, who spent a lot of time with Jesus, says, hey, here's one of the ways, what it looks like to follow Jesus, we need to do that. And see, these, a couple of these guys said something really, really specific when it comes to marriage, specifically. And I know as long as I'm doing this, as long as I'm up on a platform like this with people in front of me and on the other side of a screen and students and adults, um, you know, when we talk about Jesus and Peter and Paul and these New Testament writers, what they say, I mean, and I've taught these things, I believe these things, um, but in seasons like this, when you evaluate, you, it just like takes on a whole new application. And so, to these New Testament writers, in the, the Apostle Paul specifically, he says this, he says, here's, here's one of the solutions. You submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, this is an introduction, believe it or not, to actually something he's about ready to say to husbands, right? Not wives, husbands. And he's got something else for wives, but he says, he says, I want you to submit. Now, submit means I place myself under. Submit means I kind of put your deal ahead of my deal. Submit means, Julie, I'm gonna make sure you have what you want and you need first because that's, that's I'm coming underneath and alongside, all right? And I know I'm not fully gonna be able to do that, you know, to the perfect, you know, be, be everything you need because that's just impossible, but I'm not gonna stop trying that's partly why I'm here. And, and then the other side of that is, you know, I've never as a man been called to submit myself to my career, even when that means the local church, which is where the tension comes in for me. I've never been, you know, called to submit myself to, you know, making a lot of money or building some big organization. But my heavenly father, you know, and those who knew his son and spent a lot of time with him said, no, I'm, I'm to submit to a person and then he gets right to the heart of the issue right here. He, he, he says, husbands, here's what it looks like. He says, husbands, I, I want you to love your wives like Christ loved the church. And, and then as, as if we didn't know exactly what that meant, he even gave us a little more. He said, I want you to give yourself up like he did for her. Now, if you, if you remember, Jesus like died for the church, for people who were his followers, which is known as the church. He says, husbands, I want you to love your wives the way that I loved the church. 
And I know what some of us are thinking, the same thing I think, it's like, Kurt, but, but I thought I was supposed to go out and like, make a living and bust my tail so we can have more and our family can have everything they need. And you know, I thought it was about my career. I mean, this doesn't sound like that's what he's saying right here. To which I'd say, you're right. What, what do we do then? Well, what Paul's saying is you follow Christ's example and you give yourself up for her. You give your ambition up for her. You give your desire for progress you know, up for her. Even, even though God planted that in you, I mean, it's a very good thing, but you give that up. I mean, that, that, that's just a part of what this looks like. And in that moment, when I wrote this card out a few weeks ago, I mean, it's just kind of a very distinct moment for me. I, I'm like, I gotta reduce my hours in order to do that. I can't do 65, 70 hours a week in this season. And I know these things. I've worked through this stuff before. It's just that, you know, you know there's traction and leverage when you take these things seriously. And I knew I didn't really have a choice, you know, because I, I had to find a way to say, okay, how do I create more white space in my life for my marriage, for things that matter the most, placing Julie ahead of my own career and job, which means you, it means the, the local church. And so let me tell you what the obstacle was. Um, the obstacle was that, you know, um, and we talked about this in week number one, of this series, if you missed week number one, um, you can go back and watch week number one. Um, we, we said that the thing that wars between the white space and the margin in our lives and us having that in our schedule and in our money and specifically in our relationships, it's not discipline, I mean, though that may be a part of it. Um, it's not like, you know, the amount of finances that might be a part of it. But the thing that wars, you know, against our white space is, is this word right here. It's this idea of fear. Oh my gosh, what if we don't get everything done? Oh my gosh, what if, what if there's gaps? What if, what if people don't show up? What if we don't meet all the needs? What if I, I can't accept every counseling appointment that somebody wants to meet with me and I just can't meet that need but they really need to talk? What, what, what happens if I just can't make those things happen or support the team or fill the holes? I'm afraid, what's gonna happen? And we never like to admit that we're afraid, right? And yet what drives the white space right out of our lives is fear. And of course, in my case, I'm thinking, how, how do we rebuild out of the season of the pandemic going forward when I'm not burning the candle at both ends? How's that gonna happen if I'm not putting in 65, 70 hours a week you know, and doing as much as I can? What will people think? What will they say? Will they keep coming? Will they keep giving? Will they keep, is it even gonna work? God, how can you build a church if I'm not working 65, 70 hours a week? And then I think back to this conversation Julie and I've been having that comes back to this card where we you know, wrote some things down. And, and I kind of made a deal with God a couple weekends ago. I don't recommend it. Deals aren't always good, but I just didn't know what else to do. It was just, I looked at this and I said, okay, God, um, I tell you what, if I can, you can use me for 45 or 50 hours a week, um, I mean, I'm not taking on extra speaking opportunities. Um, I, I don't do that anymore. I used to coach pastors. I'm not doing that. Um, you know, I volunteer my time. I mean, I'm certainly volunteering. and I volunteer in our community and need space for that. I volunteer serving another church on their board. I mean, you know, if you're volunteering, I mean, you, that, that's like a life-giving thing. I mean, I, just like we say to you, hey, you want to jump on a team, be a part of helping make things happen. Like, I do the same thing. I mean, because there's something about that that does something for us. I mean, and the problem is when you're not doing that, it like leaves a lot of work for a handful of people. And so like having space because I'm not so crammed in my work life to be able to, to give, like that's something that actually honors God. But God, I'm not gonna be able to make every meeting. I'm not gonna necessarily be available to fill all the gaps. I'm not gonna be able to, you know, perhaps, you know, meet with every person that wants to meet. I'm gonna work hard in the 45 or 50, you know, hours. But, you know, 
if, if you can do that, I mean, if you, whatever you can build and, 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 and create and, you know, in, in that period of time with my 45, 50 hours, because you know that's about all I've got and that's probably all I can do, um, I'm going to have to be satisfied with that. And I kind of had to settle that. I had to kind of in my mind, because I mean, I'm just always like, what else, what else? And how, you know, here's problems and we need to take care of this. And, and there was a peace, I'm going to be honest, there was a peace. Anxiety at times when I go, oh my gosh, I was just going to get done. I, I, but then there's a piece, especially when I read things like, you know, this conversation between Peter and Jesus where, you know, Jesus says to Peter, hey, Peter, on you, uh, on, on, on you, on this rock, Peter's name meant rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He says, I will build it. Not, not you, Peter, will build it, but just if you're willing, if you're willing to be used with the time that you have, I, I will build it. And I know we're all in different industries and different employment situations, but there's a lesson in this for all of us, all right? And, and even if you can't see it, um, let me take you back to the prayer that I pray and probably you've perhaps prayed at times. God, will you take care of things at home with my kids when I'm not able to be there with my spouse, with people that matter the most, while I'm off building, in my case, the church, while I'm off building the business, while I'm off building you know, my, my career. And see, the key, the solution in this is switching that around and saying, okay, Lord, um, would you take care of things at work? I mean, I'm, I'm gonna put my time in. It's not like I'm gonna you know, do less, but I mean, I certainly maybe can't do everything that's needed, but will you take care of things at work when I'm done and I've done what I can? Will you take it the rest of the way while I'm taking care of things at home? Like, like God, do you think that's possible? I mean, you, God, who created the economy? I mean, you the guy who created us, who knit us together, who knows how we work, knows our duty cycle. Do, do you think you could do that, God? I mean, Heavenly Father, do you think you could do that in the amount of time that I have? Of course he can. Of course he can. And see, here, here's the reality I began to, to you know, you become to, begin to see. Um, you only have, I only have like two unique roles in what I do. I mean, one, two unique roles. I mean, the first one is I'm husband to Julie, and the second one, I'm a dad to Macy, Matt, Maggie, and Meredith. And everything else I do, someone else can do. And, and newsflash, somebody else will do at some point. I mean, I'm not, it's not unique to me. All right, somebody else will do what I do. Somebody else will be standing up here one day. My only two unique roles are to be Julie's husband, and, and hopefully I'm her first and only, and, and to be you know, the only father to Macy, Matt, Maggie, and Meredith. And so in that, you, you know, all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, okay. So why in the world would I trade those unique roles for something that someone else can and eventually will do? I mean, that's just not a good trade. I mean, I only get to live through my 20s and their, you know, toddler years once. I only get to live through my 30s and their, you know, elementary years once. I mean, I only get to live through my 40s. I mean, I, there's only one first soccer game and one first, you know, concert, you know, choir concert and one first college move-in day. I mean, there's only one first training wheels moment. I mean, why in the world would I trade any of that, that unique role that I have for something that someday someone else eventually will do? And... The only way to do that is to create white space so I can make sure that the two unique roles that nobody else really can or should fill get filled and I let others do things that perhaps they can do. I've said, you know, many times before, you know, as you think about if you have kids at home, you know, you know perhaps some of the most important things you do might not be something you do, but it's someone you're raising. You know, because in the end, I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge gift. And see, I don't want to look back. I don't want to get, you know, 
down the road and look back and, 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 and wonder. I don't want to wonder, okay, um, God, what, what could you have done if I wasn't afraid? I mean, what would have happened if I just would have, you know, followed Jesus and, 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 and you know, kind of took his words when he says, hey, don't worry. Don't worry about, you know, your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. I know you need to sleep and eat indoors. I mean, your, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. And see, I don't want you to look back and wonder either. But he goes on, he says, but seek, seek me first. Seek my kingdom, seek my righteousness, my ways, and, and, and these things are gonna come your way. And so I think the thing that we all have to wrestle with is this, this idea of, of, of what does it mean for us to choose to cheat on the secondary so we don't give up what God has uniquely put us here for and the people he's uniquely put us here for. Now, as we think about what this means for us, it's so gonna wrap up, the band's gonna come out. Um, and, and as you think about, okay, wh- what do I do with this? What do I you know, do with what God's maybe stirring in me, what he's been showing me over these past few weeks? And, and there's two words that I kinda wanna explain to you uh, before we sing you know, a song here in the moment. And, and these two words are words that have been really kinda big for me over the last few weeks in, in my journey and just coming to some clarity on, okay, what is it I need to do and how am I gonna do that? And, and the first word, they're both kinda church words, um, churchy words and have a lot of connotations to them. And so the first word is this one right here, it's this word repent. And, and I don't know what you think about when you see this word repent. Um, this actually comes from the original Greek word metanoia, which means, um, it really is where we get our word metamorphosis. You know, it's the process of change. And so, you know, repent, I mean, it's it's had so much shame and guilt attached to it. Uh, And that's not the intent at all. To repent simply means to have a change of mind, to say, oh my gosh, I was thinking this way, but I've come into some new information or a new insight, and I need to change and go in a different direction. You know, perhaps some of us, we just need to, as we close this series and, and we think about, okay, where do I create space and how do I make sure that I fulfill the unique roles and don't settle for the secondary? Uh, perhaps there's some repenting. I know that's been a part of my journey. God, I repent. I, I'm, I'm in a change. I need to change a, the direction. And then the second word, um, again, kind of a, a churchy word. And if you didn't grow up in church, totally cool, but you may have heard this word before. It's the word consecrate, which means to set oneself aside for something, to consecrate myself, to realize there's something I uniquely can fulfill, and, and for most of it, it's one or two roles. I mean, everything else we do, somebody else will eventually, and probably right now could do. But God, I, I wanna set myself aside. I wanna consecrate myself. And again, this, is, this has been a part of my experience as I've, God's been speaking to me, and in fact, I found myself um, getting down on my knees at home, and just having a moment where I said, okay, God, in this moment, I'm gonna consecrate, I'm gonna set myself aside fully, I, I'm repenting, I, I'm gonna, change and I'm going to begin to head in a different direction. I can't keep doing this. You and I both know uh, it's just not possible. And so in this moment, whether you're tuning in at home and sitting watching in front of a screen, those sitting in the room, um, you know, I'm going to invite you to make a sacred space where you're at. Um, It's part of the reason we keep the lights dim in here, you know, just so you can kind of have your own space and Perhaps you want to make this a moment of consecrating, a moment of repenting, where you say, okay, God, in light of the things you're beginning to stir in me, I I do, I want to make a change. I don't even know what that fully means, but I want to make a change and begin to head head in a new direction. Would you give me the courage and the the wisdom and insight? Would your spirit, like, help me know what to do? And I want to consecrate myself. I mean, if I feel like I've settled for the secondary instead of the unique roles that only I can fill, God, I want to consecrate myself to those first. And so in this moment, I know that's, that's your way, and so I want to follow you in that. 
And so perhaps um, you don't have to do this. Perhaps you want to get down on a knee or down on your knees. And just as, as the band plays a song in a moment, that you just make this a moment of kind of bowing before Heavenly Father and saying, okay, God, um, I'm going to head in a new direction. I want to give myself fully to the things you uniquely call me to. In fact, you can do that even as we pray and as we sing. In fact, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this moment. Thank you for um, knowing the things that are going on in our life. I pray for every man, every woman, every mother, every father, um, every, every, every child, every student right now that is recognizing perhaps there's things that I've been allowing to fill my life and it's relationally taking me out of the couple unique roles that only I can fulfill. God, help us to know what to do there and not, not, not feel bad, not feel ashamed, but to, to choose. Say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go in a different direction. God, I repent of that. I know that's been a part of my journey and, and there's a freeing that happens when I acknowledge that. And I say, okay, God, I need to make a change. And I wanna consecrate myself. In this moment, I realize there's things that uniquely I fulfill and, and, and there's a lot of things I do that, that somebody else can and will eventually do, but right now I just wanna consecrate myself to those who are most important. In fact, there's something you call me to do. There's a serving, a coming alongside, a coming beneath. And, and God, we just pray in this moment that with, with whatever you've put on our hearts, that you would allow us to, to just set that aside and to make the changes that are needed, the adjustments, and give us wisdom and insight, help us to know what to do. And it's not just gonna be clear and easy, but be with us in the ups and the downs, help us to follow you through this. And we know when we do. We know we're gonna be in a better place. And so we just wanna make this a moment right now where we say, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm following you in this. I'm trusting you. And I know, I know when I do that, um, you're not gonna let me down. So God, just hear our prayers and, and God, may we, we sense you in this moment.